Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome to the program today. Social Security Administration says that Social Security for the average retiree replaces about 40% of their pre-retirement income. Well, here's the question. But how difficult is it to make the decision of when do you start Social Security? You get a room full of a group of baby boomers, 55 and older, and you can easily get a discussion and sometimes a debate about the answer. Well, also, you add the question, how do I maximize my 401k? And that discussion could go all night. Today in the studio, we have two individuals that know a lot about the concerns of Social Security and just how do you maximize your 401k. Ted Miner, David Rochester will give us answers to your questions. You do not want to miss today's program. From our Did You Know files, a nationwide survey recently by the nation, the Nationwide Retirement Institute recently came up with a survey, and actually it's November this past month, of a thousand, little over 1,000 employed adults determined that the average age at which this group that they surveyed began saving for retirement, 31 years old. <laughs> Here's the most common reason given for not saving sooner. Simple, not making enough money. That makes sense. I can deal with that. Also, you know about China? It's in the news a lot recently. Trade wars and all the things going on. We got people arrested in Canada. Well, here's something interesting from trade economics. 30 years ago, that's 1988, the Chinese economy was just 6% of the size of the U.S. economy. That's $312 billion to our $5 trillion, $5.3 trillion. Ten years ago, 2008, the Chinese economy was 31% of the average size of the U.S. economy. That's $4.5, almost $4.6 trillion to our $14.7 trillion. Today, 2018, the Chinese economy is 63% of the size of the U.S. economy, $13.1 trillion to our economy, $20.6 trillion. I, might, I think you might find this to be interesting. The Department of Energy has published the U.S. field production of crude oil reached 11.5 million, million barrels a day in September of this year. An all-time monthly record volume, and they've been taking keeping this record since 1920. So we've got we're making we're putting a lot of oil out there, and that's a 21 percent increase in production in just the last 12 months. But here's something you'll find interesting: OPEC member Qatar announced this past month, just just literally weeks ago, that it is vacating its membership in the in OPEC, the first country to do so it's since the cartel began in 1960. The reason? They want to produce 1.7 million barrels a day, and OPEC says, no, we don't want to produce it. So what's going on here? we got a trade war in oil. That's important. The Center of Disease you know, Control has recently said that between 1952 and 2017, a period of 65 years, the average life expectancy of a newborn American baby has increased by 10 years, the life expectancy 
of 68.6 has increased to 78.6 years. That says that we're increasing about six and a half years, one year about every six and a half years. And I think that's good. That's important. Well, here's an article from Wall Street Journal. This was recently. A headline said, more than ever, Americans age alone. Baby boomers are feeling the impact of loneliness, which is linked to early mortality. Baby boomers are aging alone alone more than any generation in U.S. history. The article said that about 1 in 11 Americans, 50 and older, lack a spouse, a partner, a living child. That's 8 million people in the United States. And listen to this, go folks. That number is expected to grow. Well, if you have questions for Talk Money, send them to Talk Money at Shoemaker Financial. To find today's program on podcast or past pro- programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Like us on Facebook. We would appreciate it. Coming up, David Rochester and Ted Miner, Social Security and maximizing your 401k. This is just fundamentals of good, solid money management. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990, FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker, Ted Miner, and David Rochester are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, as I said earlier, we're talking about Social Security and the average retiree places about 40% of their pre-retirement income. And then how do you maximize that 401k? What do you need to be doing? Well, maybe sometimes this is the time of the year that you're making some of those decisions. So in the studio with me today is David Rochester and Ted Miner. And let me introduce these guys to you. They are both retirement income certified professionals, and they are frequent guests of ours. They know the subject. And let me say to you, Ted, welcome to the program. It's exciting to be here, Jim. Well, exciting. I like that. I'm excited. That's excited. That's good. And welcome to the program, David. Thank you, Jeff. All right, that, David's not as excited. No, as no, let's just I you just, and I talk. I just, I just noticed that. All right, okay, guys. Sorry, now, listen, David. this is a subject. You know, we, we talked about in the monologue a little bit about people. You know, we've got this aging group, this baby boomer group, and they're, they're, they're facing that mind-boggling decision of retiring and, and the Social Security discussion that they've got and all those things that we talked about. And when you think about it, Social Security is something you can plan for. And I and I think Ted, what happens to us? We get so confused. I'm going to use that word, and I don't mean that we're not smart. It's so such a complicated, not meant to be complicated, but it can become when you start planning it. It can become very complicated. Well, what has happened over the since 1935 when it was started? There's been so many rules and regulations. It's made it complicated. Uh, you know, we just had a couple of few years ago that actually changed things. So I think most people are aware of some of the some of the the certain details about it going up with age. But uh, a lot of people never dig into it soon enough to really know how to plan for it. So, so when you say dig into it, I mean, uh, 
we have discussions about this all the time of of maximizing your social. We talk about mm-hmm. that, and uh, it's different for different folks. I mean, it's one thing you could say, well, for so and so you could do this, but for so and so you might want to do something differently. And it is a, it's it's a personal discussion. Well, it, absolutely, and it, and it uh, you know today with divorce and things like that, there's a lot of little in, intricacies of of the program that that they need to be aware of. But what happens is they know that mom and dad was able to retire with a pension and Social Security, so they think that they should, too, without having any awareness at all about how much is Social Security really and what does it really mean to me. Well, as a retirement income certified professional, I know you talk about this, you help people push through this, and, and I mean, it's a discussion item, and I mean, I know it's difficult, but depending on a planning strategy. Help me, when you say a planning strategy with Social Security, it's not going into the computer, punching a button and saying, I'll take it. It's really thinking through it. Start with me. Start with the process. Well, it and it and it involves a lot of your other assets too. Understanding, you know, what do you have in your inventory uh, to use towards retirement? Um, a lot of people they think, you know, they want to turn that thing on at sixty-two. They have no idea that it's going up a lot faster than inflation. Uh, their their benefit. Uh, I think the the the. The thought process that we ought to change people to is to a cash flow process. Nobody knows when they're going to die. Uh, and yet and still we try to use, I mean, you quoted a lot of statistics there to begin with about how age has changed a lot. That in itself has changed the strategy quite a bit. You can't afford not to let your your benefits continue to increase to, you know, 8% a year going up to when they're max, maximized at 70 because many people are going to live 20, 25 years past 70. You know, and when I started the business, you're right, we we just didn't think about that. I mean, a person gets to 65, they retire and you know, five or six, seven years, and that was enough. Today, we're talking about 25, 30 years, and that's a whole other process of planning that so many people don't think about. Well, David, when you when you do planning and you're going through the process and you're thinking with, about Social Security, kind of give me your planning strategy. When, when do, what do you try to help clients do? Again, as a retirement income certified professional, you guys are looking at it from a different set of lenses than the average person on the street. You're thinking big picture, and yet you're also down into the details of helping a person making, I think, sometimes a very detailed, complicated decision. You're right, Jim. I think the first thing we've got to determine is, is what are their anticipated expenses in retirement? It is about cash flow, not just about assets. So do they have enough cash flow? And I'll even put in the word, when we're talking about Social Security, something that's certain for the most part of, of the of the fixed amount each month, do they have enough cash flow each month to meet their normal expenses? If not, then there's a gap to fill. So from that standpoint, if we can get an estimate, it's off their Social Security statement of what their Social Security benefits will be, get them to go through their expenses and come up with a with a number they think they're going to need per month, then it's, it's some calculations built in with some uh, inflationary numbers. So that's a, that's a great point. You lead me to ask the question. And Ted, I mean, I know when he says inflation, uh, I heard you use the word index, and uh, what, what, when you say the word index, what does that mean to a person on the street? The, uh, the government ties the, the increase of Social Security to the Consumer Price Index of Urban Wage Earners, and this next year, we're getting actually the highest, uh, so people on Social Security getting the highest increase they've gotten in seven years, and it's 2.8%. And it's averaged about 2.2, about where inflation is. It's been pretty good, uh, 2.2% for about the past 10 years or so. So, And that, that leads to another point of why you want to maximize Social Security. A Social Security, a dollar from Social Security 
is worth more than a regular dollar of income because a Social Security does have a cost of a living adjustment to it every year. Most pensions don't. Uh, and it also is not fully taxed. So when you're talking about a dollar for a dollar somewhere, that's the reason when, I, when I'm working with someone, the first thing I do is sit down and try to find out what is a Social Security benefit because it is the most valuable benefit out there from the standpoint of moving with inflation and also the ability to not be fully taxed. At the most, 85% of it's taxed. Well, one of the thoughts that I shared during the monologue was that 40% of Americans today say that, you know, as a retiree, this is the most important of my retirement income, 40%. Now, that means, you know, that's a big number. And the Social Security Administration is saying that this is their statistic of what they know from people that are taking it. So the reality is, if I'm going through this process, I want to know that I'm maximizing. Now, that's the word. I want to know my maximizing my Social Security. So if you just tuned in, my guest today, Ted Miner, he is a retirement income certified professional and David Rochester, also a retirement income professional, uh, certified professional. And we're talking about a subject that you've asked us about multiple times. Number one, how do I maximize my Social Security? And number two, which is coming up in the second half of the program, how do I maximize my 401k? Why is that it's so important to you? Because it's retirement. And if you happen to be at that age where you're thinking through that process or know somebody that's doing that, well, guess what? This subject is one that I hope you're finding that it's answering your questions. Stay with us because what we're going to do is let these guys continue to go through this process with us. Now, let me let me start with you guys. Let me let me go back. When I say maximize, that's the word. And really, that's the question that we get. How do I maximize it? And I've heard, and David, I'm going to go to you because you, we talked about this kind of in preparation during the preparation time this morning. You got that person that says, well, is Social Security going to be there? And we have Kurt Zarnowski, who is the dynamic social security expert from Boston with us occasionally. And the, the point is, we have to answer that question because everybody says, well, ask Kurt this. Is social security going to be around? So I'm going to ask you, is social security going to be around 5, 10, 15 years, 20 years? Is I'm going to retire? Is it going to still pay me when I'm 100? How do you like that? I believe it will. I'm planning on it. Okay, Jim. that's that's How a source of income know? for me. What 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 kind of assurance? And again, we're not experts. There could be some catastrophe that we don't know. And Kurt will admit. That we, but how do you share with someone when you're planning a pro, going through this process? What do you say to them that says, "Here's why we planned for it to be there"? What do you say to them? Well, it's in the budget for the federal budget for okay. one thing. So uh, we're all paying tax money in. If if you look at every paycheck you get, part of it's going out to taxes, and part of that tax is going into the Social Security system. So you're saying because we're collecting money. Ted, what's your thoughts? Yes. the If you look at the breakdown of it, the 77% of all the dollars that are paid out in Social Security is coming coming in weekly. It's not from the trust system. It's coming in weekly from mine and your paycheck. So even if the trust system, and when you hear that number, 2036 or 2032, they, they, they try to scare people. Social Security is You really bankrupt. think that's what they're doing? Do you think they're trying well, to, they're I, just trying to tell people this is, this is, yeah. I mean, is it is it a scare? Do you hear it as a scare? Well, time? yeah, because they don't give them the details. That's the trust fund. Uh, that's the trust point. fund is only part of the compensation of Social Security. Uh, the as I said, seventy seven percent of what you're going to get is coming from paychecks every week, and that's not going to change. As a matter of fact, that's valid all the way up to twenty ninety. Okay. Uh, the um, now, now paychecks. That means the millennials are paying for they're my paying, Yeah, they're. I want to remind them of that. And know. and the other thing, Jim, is is that well. 
it's it's unfortunate that they keep kicking this can down the road in terms of making some changes, but there's a number of things they can do to change it that would make it much more sound than what it is. We wouldn't have to worry about that other 23%. And the biggest one is is kind of what you mentioned in your monologue is the age situation. I mean, retirement was uh, the retirement date was 65 in 1935. Today it's 67 for a 17 year old, and we've lived it two years, and yet still life expectancy has gone up almost over 20, 20 years. Yeah. So, so that's one of the biggest issues that they and need people to deal are with. actually working longer. I mean, uh, they're not retiring, and so from that standpoint. So let's all right. We've kind of laid this out now. If we were sitting down today, and we you know someone called you and said, okay. I want you to help me. I want you to give me. What can they expect? What are you going to do to guide me through this complicated? I was at dinner last night with a couple and uh, several couples, and we were talking, and the, and uh, we, they actually knew that the program was going to be today. And they said, you know, it's amazing how, and it, they, they used the word, difficult it is to understand. And these are smart people. And they actually said, and we're smart people. And I get that. So how do you take a... And, and it shouldn't be complicated, but turn it into a way people can understand it. Well, the first thing, and, and David kind of alluded to it, is you need to go online to the Social Security Administration website and get a breakdown of your particular benefits. They've kept records, and you need to check those records to make sure they, they match your records. But those give you the estimates. They'll pick uh, age 62, uh, your full retirement age, which for most people, day is sixty six between sixty six and sixty seven, and and then they'll they'll give them an estimate at seventy where it maxes out, and we use those numbers to uh, to run uh, different uh, different circumstances uh, in a in a, a financial plan. Also, the other things that that uh, in sitting down and interviewing and talking to someone, you look at things like marriage, divorce is an issue, spousal benefits. There are spousal benefits that people don't think about now. You can't strategize as much with spousal benefits as you used to could. However, if you were over 64 at the beginning of the year, then there's some special rules for you that still allow you to strategize and do things that most people can't. Beginning of 2018. Beginning of 2018. Okay. For people who are under that, they've, they've lost those. They've lost that ability. But but every once in a while sitting down with some people, we find some things that that uh, that the normal person wouldn't have access to because of where a person is in age and maybe even where they are in their marriage. Okay, now let me ask you this. Now, you say you've discovered things, and David, I know you've done the same thing, both of you. Is that because you guys are specialists or retirement income certified professionals, or do you find that that the average planner today is diving into Social Security the way you guys dive into it. Well, I, I mean, most. I'm not. Gonna, I don't even want to use the word most. There's a lot of planners that don't want to deal with the issue of Social Security because it's complicated. It is, and being an RICP, uh, you know, we spend a lot of time looking at retirement income, which, as you mentioned, that's uh, Social Security is a huge part of it. So we, we study a lot about the Social Security system. And it's a big part of my practice. The biggest part of David's practice is that we're dealing with people you know, 55 and older mostly that are looking at retirement that are, and, and that big part of that bucket is social security. We want to make sure we get out of that bucket, what we can legally, what we can, and what's the best strategy for them to use based on their circumstances, their history and their needs uh, to utilize that bucket as one of the assets. You know, I've looked at that multiple different ways. And I mean, we're, you were talking about maximizing it and we do have software in the office that you can you know, plug numbers in. And I mean, it's amazing how, what if we start at 62? What if we start at, what if I get it at 64? What if I wait till a full retirement? And it's amazing how that number can move and the impact 
that it can make, and that can be something of that strategy you're talking about. You know, here, here's something for people to just think about. When you can take your benefits at 62 versus 70, the benefit increases 76% from age 62 to age 70. So a person that takes it, and David mentions the word cash flow. Again, we don't know when we're going to die. And you don't make the decision at 62 that you're going to have to wait to 70. The decision you make at 62 is that I'm not going to take it in the next 90 days because you can turn it on at any time and get it in 90 days uh, from the United States government. But but every month, it goes up nearly two-thirds of a percent. It's not just waiting a year, but every month you wait, it's going up. So building that cash flow... If a person's benefit at their full retirement age is a thousand, at age sixty-six, let's say, then if they took it at sixty-two, it'd be seven hundred fifty dollars. But if they took it at age seventy, it'd be thirteen hundred twenty dollars. So the difference between age sixty-two is seven hundred fifty versus at age seventy is thirteen hundred twenty. That's a lot of difference in cash flow. And it's not doubled, but it's not far off of it. That's mm-hmm. a that's a great, great pay it per land. If you just tuned in, my guest today, retirement income certified professionals, these guys, David Rochester and Ted Miner, we're talking about questions that you've asked us. How do you get the most out of Social Security? And coming up in the second half of the program, how do I maximize my 401k? When we come back, what I'm going to ask you, Ted, right off the top, I want to, you know, share some of these, some of the things that you've been able to guide people, or just some ideas that guide people through this real, kind of this maze of the the problems that we have, and some of the ways you've seen it work. Can you do that for me? Sure. All right, let's stay with us, guys, because this is a program you don't want to miss, and this is because you've asked us a question. If you've got questions for us, just send it to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll do a program around your question. If it's one of those questions that we find that is asked a lot, simply send it to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. I'll get the guys on that know the answers, and we'll put a program together that's going to help you make good decisions when it comes to getting the most out of your financial life. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. My guests, Ted Miner and David Rochester, and we're talking about Social Security and a financial strategy to work through that. And then coming up with David, we're going to talk about ways of maximizing your 401k. But before we get to that, let me let me back up just a second. If you've got a question for these guys and you want to talk to them specifically, just give them a call at 757-5757. It's a, just a free time to sit down with these guys and ask questions. Uh, they do the program. You call and you get questions. It doesn't cost you anything. And just feel free to do that. It's a, it's a service that we want to provide to those of you that are faithful listeners, 757-5757. Let me start, David. Well, I'll tell you what, before I jump to you, David, I want to to give Ted this thought, because, Ted, sometimes the question is, you know, you're passionate about this. You have really, in in the last 10 years, pushed your practice into this mindset. I mean, you have successfully shared with people that come to you an enormous amount of knowledge, wealth of knowledge about Social Security. You've cleaned up a lot. I mean, I've had people call me and say, man, Ted's done a great job. I didn't understand it. You, you've given a sense of peace of mind. 
that's a passion. That's not just doing it to do it or doing it to to get something. I mean, is why are you why are you like that? Why is that the part of your practice? I mean, I'm giving you an opportunity because I really want to know because it is what I hear. Well, you may not. You may the answer may may kind of sound uh, unrealistic, but it's uh, I, I find it fun. I find it enjoyable to to help people kind of put that puzzle together. Now it's it's true I get paid for that, but uh, it, it I find a lot of enjoyment being able to help people with knowledge. Uh, the uh, so I found a void in Social Security from a standpoint of knowledge of most people, and when most people when we sit down and whether I'm doing a seminar or whether I get a phone call. Yesterday I got a phone call, didn't know the individual. We started talking, and it's just amazing the concepts that they think. Uh, will happen with their Social Security benefits. And when we're through with the conversation, they've got a little bit of different, hopefully a little bit different understanding based on how it will really work and how maybe how it will help them a little bit better to do something else. And so uh, it's it's important. Uh, and I'm dealing with people that are kind of, I'm 62. And so I'm dealing with people that uh, it's, it's not only passionate for my, for my, the people that I work with, but it's also passionate for me. I'm also dealing with my own personal situation. I get it, so, yeah. So it's good for me to know that for myself, and I want to share that knowledge with the people that I work with. Well, I tell you, I, I don't mind publicly saying this. I know the people appreciate it because I get that, you know, and, and I get that uh, constantly, that people really do appreciate the fact that you're doing it. Let me ask you one, just a thought here. I want, to, I want you to share a success story because I know you've got a few that things that are just people, as you said, come in and they go, they're like deer in headlights, and they're having to work through. But share something with us. Well, this is, and, and this is kind of extreme, understanding that, that all the, you know, everybody's circumstances are different. And, but uh, there was one situation where, uh, and I'll give you kind of some, some of the parameters that made it special, but an individual that was over 64 at the beginning of this year, uh, at the beginning of last year, actually, uh, he had been married for over 10 years, which allowed him access to a a spousal uh, support, and he had also been divorced for two years. Now, he came in for a financial plan, but we found out that uh, he actually had access to spousal benefits because of the parameters I just described from his wife, and he had never thought about turning on those particular benefits without affecting his individual benefits. And he ended up picking up about $64,000 that he had no idea was out there for him over a period of four years from age 66 to 70. So it's just it's a whole idea around just making things uh, happen and, and and walking through that process. And not everybody's the same. No, and no, and yeah. by the way, whether that's an you know it's an example, but it's an example that you know I wouldn't want anyone listening to think, well, okay, that'll work for me. It doesn't. And people don't need to understand. That's probably the most extreme example I can think. Everybody's of. unique and everybody's different. And what one works for one, that's kind of the problem I think we face. Yeah. You get you remember that party I was talking about, and you start talking about Social Security, and you got a debate. And, you know, all the thoughts. I think that's what happens to a lot of people. They end up, you add 401ks in, David, and now they are there all night because everybody's got an opinion <laughs> and everybody's got, well, this is what I did or this is what I heard. And that's what we're trying to say is not everybody is the same. Be careful. Don't take advice from someone that uh, does it uh, one time, and that makes them an expert. I think there's over 2,700 different rules and regulations for the Social Security Benefits and I and and I know at least two thousand six hundred forty-two. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Well, thank you, Ted. I think it's been helpful because we'll come back and talk some more to it. Don't leave, and we'll be back because I want to talk some more about that. But David, as a retirement income professional, all right. Now think about it. This is an idea where if I'm working through Social Security, 
the subject that I want you to help us with is so give us some, some some thought on how to maximize but my 401k. Now, here I am. Maybe I'm not ready to retire. Maybe I'm 45 or 50, but I know that there's going to be that day out there. Start and give me just a couple of what you would consider to be top-level absolutes when it comes to the strategy of maximizing my 401k. Okay, thank you, Jim. I, I think one of the first things that a participant in a 401k needs to know is, is what is their company match? When I use the word match, that means that a company or an employer will put money into an employee's account if that employee is deferring some of their own money. It's a matching formula. You need to know that formula. Um, for a new employee today, a lot of plans have what we call a default rate. And as soon as you are eligible, they default you in, and part of your uh, salary goes into the 401k plan, usually about 3%. That doesn't mean you're getting all of the matching dollars. You need to know that formula. You need to know the formula that we're yes. talking about. That, that makes good sense. So I know a lot of people talk about vesting, and that's a term that is kind of somewhat to, to the average rank-and-file employee. You know, they say, well, I think I understand vesting. Explain vesting sure. to our listeners. So some programs have a – you need to be an employee for a certain period of time. So on, along the lines of the match, if the employer is putting money into the plan and there's a vesting schedule associated with that, it could be – three, four, five years, uh, then if you were to change jobs before you've met 100% of that vesting schedule, you could lose some of those matched dollars. So you want to make sure you get all those matched dollars. If you're contemplating changing employers and you're close to the end of that time frame, it could be worth it, maybe several thousands of dollars to stay in there until that time. You know, that's a great point. I know we do a lot of work with a lot of 401k plans, and the reality is, would you ever... Uh, this is a loaded question. I mean, honestly, it's just one of those I just thought about. Would you ever tell someone who's who's thinking about changing jobs to put as the top one, two, and three? Okay, we got a great break room. Okay, we got an exercise room. All you know, you know what I'm talking about. But the reality is, I mean, health and benefits are important. I mean, Shannon Dyson does that. All talks about that all the time. But 401k, you know, 401k. By the way, for everybody's knowledge here, 40 years. It's been around now for 40 years, 1978. The reality is uh, it's been quite successful over the last 40 years. Prior to that, everybody got a defined benefit. You stay with a company long enough, and that benefit's going to be there. No brainer. You didn't have to worry about it. Today, people have to really spend some energy. Would you tell someone, if you're they coming to you and asking for advice, look at the 401k. If the, 401k, if the companies are equal, but the 401k is better, what would you say? No, absolutely. I mean, you've got to consider all environments. But back to what you were saying a minute ago, I think most of us, when we're looking at uh, our employer, potential employer, we're looking at health benefits first. Uh, 401k or pension plan should be close to second. Obviously, days off, things like that are important. But at the end of the day, when we're talking about a future retirement, and hopefully we're all planning for that, this is another resource, and it's a big resource along with what we're talking about with Social Security. And new defined benefit plans almost don't exist, new oh, ones. Yeah, almost don't exist anymore. Well, if you just tuned in, my guest today is David Rochester, and we're talking about the 401k and some strategies, how to push that through. Ted Miner's with us. We've been talking about Social Security. If you have questions, again, for Talk Money, just send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. That's what we're doing today is answering your questions about Social Security and Basically, how do you maximize your 401k? Get the match. 
and then stay around until you're vested. At least know what the program says to you. When we're going to come, when we come back, we're going to talk about how do you maximize your tax break. You believe it or not, that's a strategy. And so many times it's just not thought about. You're listening, of course, to it's a simple thing. I tell you it all the time. KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. And I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Back when present-day Tennessee was claimed by North Carolina, the Chickasaw Indian tribe owned the land along the Mississippi River Bluff. The Indians allowed settlers to live on their grounds and later sold the land to Andrew Jackson, John Overton, and James Winchester. Their plans for the incorporation of the land into a city did not sit well with the settlers, who were unwilling to go along with newcomers from the east. The settlers needed a strong spokesman from their own ranks if they were to have any say over the future of their community. Fortune smiled upon the settlers when Isaac Rawlings emerged as their leader and persuaded Jackson, Overton, and Winchester to accept a compromise and leave the outlying areas outside the new city. This victory made Rawlings an important figure in Memphis politics for many years. His prestige and reputation allowed him to win several easy victories in the earliest mayoral races and yet remained true to his humble frontier beginnings. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. The Standard & Poor's 500, or S&P 500, is an unmanaged group of securities considered to be representative of the stock market in general. Index performance returns do not reflect any management fees, transaction costs, or expenses. One cannot invest directly in an index. Shoemaker Financial and Securing Financial Services do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, as I was saying earlier, I have two very special guests today. These guys are very, very smart, and they were answering questions that you've asked us. These guys are retirement income certified specialists and are certified professionals, and they are um, very capable of going through this process of helping us understand how do I maximize my 401k and then Social Security. But keep in mind, we're talking in a big 30,000-foot generic type of thoughts. I mean, we're not answering your specific questions. We've already answered these people, the questions that we've got that on a specific basis. But what we're taking is that question that's been asked and then kind of putting it into a big, broad discussion process. Now, and again, every time we are saying, well, if you're going to maximize this, you're going to do this, that's because we're talking again in generic wide brush type of discussion. If it's about specifics, then we'll want to talk to you specific and let because we don't want to get into something that where you're taking what we're saying as well. If they did it for Joe, that works for Bob. No, or that does for Mary, it works for Jane. That is not what we want you to understand. We want you to understand that what we're trying to do is giving you the the 30,000 foot level view. And then as we get into the weeds, even what Ted was saying earlier and giving us that example, it's just trying to help you know that things do work and things do happen, but you need to always be able to talk to these guys individually. And if you'd like to, it's 757-5757. David, before the, the break, we talked about maximizing, or I introduced the fact that I wanted to ask you a question about maximizing the tax break and a traditional 401k. Help me with that. 
Sure. So in 2018, if you're a participant in a 401k plan, you can defer out of your salary up to $18,500. Anybody. Anybody. Okay. If you make eight, you've got to make eighteen. Well, you got to make eighteen. It's right. Up to the limit of what but you the make. The point is, you can defer up to eighteen thousand five hundred. You don't have to be sixty. You don't have to be twenty six. Correct. Anybody. Correct. Now, if you are fifty and up, like most of us in this room, then you can add an extra six thousand dollars to that, and that's called a catch up contribution. Now, in twenty nineteen, fortunately, they've passed it to where we can add another five hundred dollars to that total. So you'll be able to do nineteen thousand right off the bat. Contribute it during the year. Take a tax deduction for that. So when we say defer, you're getting a tax deduction off of your salary to fund that. So nineteen thousand twenty nineteen, and then still again a six thousand dollar catch up if you're fifty and up. Okay, now to, to, that's the tax break because anything you're deferring that is not includable in your taxable income. So help me with that, Ted. Let me just ask you this: from a standpoint of a planning process, if I'm going through this. Do I do I do I look at that at a person's age forty and say you need to do this? Is this something that's critical for that, or is are we trying to get people just to get started early? Well, we want them started early, and we want to try to get as much in that bucket as we can, Jim, because because uh, their needs are going to be great, and the sooner they get started, you either need a lot of time or a lot of money. It's best to have both, but they need to get started early with as much as they can. Uh, and I'll say this, David's mentioned two subjects here, and a lot of times when I sit down, I, I guess I'll direct this question to David, too, because I find out that when I ask the question to people, are you maximizing your your, your 401k, the thing is, they look at that matching contribution right. a lot of times, so they think putting in 6%, yeah, I'm maximizing it, and when you investigate, you find out they got another ten dollars $15,000. with most conversations, if you ask, they'll say, oh, yeah, I'm maximizing, and they, what they mean is they're getting all the employer dollars. But they're missing out on really being able to contribute a lot more money and get a lot bigger tax deduction. Yeah, those numbers you just went over are the maximizing part, and and most people aren't anywhere close to that in terms That's of what correct. they You know, in. and I yeah. talked about this earlier. The survey that was done by the Nationwide Retirement Institute talked about the fact that what was the average age when people start saving? Well, it was 31, and they said, well, the reason why I didn't start earlier is I don't have enough money. And that creeps into a lot of people's mindset. You know, I want to bother 60 TV. I want to buy the new truck. I want to do this. I want you know whatever it is. And so it's a competition between I want to do this versus setting money for retirement. And and I understand that. I, I mean I get that. But I guess when we sit down and we try to help someone think about the future, you get a thirty-five year old, twenty-five year old. It's a very tough conversation. I mean it, it is. is. But if you take into account just compounding, Ted mentioned that earlier. One of you mentioned earlier compounding of money over time. Is is huge. So the earlier you can start, the more compounding you're going to get. You you don't have to put as much money in. Correct. That's the biggie. That's the biggie right there. Otherwise, but the competition's playing, real. Otherwise, you're playing catch up. You know, you're in your 40s, your 50s. You finally looked at it and realized you're behind the eight ball, and now you've got to struggle to get more money into the plan. And at that point, you probably have kids going to college or school. There's a lot more pressures there, even than early on. You know, Jim, there are there are charts, and we don't have time for the discussion this morning. But what David's talking about uh, was it was it I asked a question was it Einstein that said compounding interest compounding is the greatest interest, yeah. eighth wonder of the world, right? And and the reality of that, if you look at some charts for young people, uh, starting early is is very critical uh, today because you can start early, and that first ten years 
you can't catch up. And we got illustrations that tell how many years it takes to catch up. You're earning six and a half, seven, seven and a half percent, which is realistic in, in the marketplace over a long period of time. And uh, it's phenomenal to look at that. A lot of times I'll bring those charts out. And when people look at it and they real, realize that giving up those first five, six, seven, eight, ten years is huge in terms of what it amounts to 30, 35 years down the road. So what I need to say to our younger listening audience is uh, maybe maybe don't buy the 60-inch TV, buy a 45-inch TV and put an extra $100 or just start putting something aside Again, I, I can remember having a discussion one time with this couple and that we're just going through this process and, you know, it looked like we were going to be a little short for their retirement. And, and the comment was made, and I understood the comment, wish we had started, and they said it earlier, and mm-hmm. yet I couldn't go back and catch right. up. I mean, I just couldn't create that for them. But I heard it, and I heard it as he was saying it, I wish I wish I could start it earlier. Yeah, that's one and of those sad conversations when they say, I oh, wish. Yeah. But the good thing is, Jim, that 60-inch TV doesn't cost nearly as much that's anymore. That's true. <laughs> that's a very good point. It's not as expensive. When we come back, David is going to give us the idea behind diversifying your assets. And here's the biggie. Don't cash out. You've got to change jobs over the 40-year period of your career. You just got to be able to move dollars, and you can today instead of cashing out and buying that new truck or buying that 60 inch TV. You're listening, of course, to KWAM 990 FM 107.9. I'm Jim Shoemaker, my guest, David Rochester, and Ted Miner. We're talking about strategies to maximize your 401k. This is Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Qualified distributions must meet a five-year holding period and satisfy one of three additional requirements. Reaching age 59 and a half, disability, or death. Five years is measured from January 1 of the year of your first Roth K contribution. Plan provision may impact withdrawal availability. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. My guests today, Ted Miner and David Rochester, we're talking about Social Security and how to maximize your Social Security and then looking into the weeds about your 401k and how to put some strategies together to get the most out of your 401k. They are both retirement income certified professionals. If you'd like to talk to them, give them a call at 757-5757. David, uh, as you just heard the announcement, we're talking about retirement uh, required minimum distributions and, and you know, the starting of different ages and stuff like that. Let's talk about that before I go into don't cash out and, and diversifying. I mean, I only got so many minutes left, but I really think that's important because so many people don't know that they can make some changes and there's some requirement required minimum distribution. Sure. So if you have a pre-retirement account, so a pre-tax retirement account, an IRA, a 401k, but particularly an IRA, and you are 70 and a half, or you turn 70 and a half of that year, uh, then at least by April of the following year, you're required to take a minimum amount out of your pre-tax retirement account. So I'm referring to an IRA. Now, 401k, if you're still working, the rules could change. It's a little different there. But particularly an IRA, you are required to take what's called a minimum distribution starting at age 70 and a half. But your but your 401k if you're still working, do you can you do are you required or not? You can you can defer that. You can okay. not do you don't have to do that. That's you correct. would if it's an IRA. So there's a reason for some people who might be working after 70 and a half to, to keep the 401k and and to not right and to not take the distribution obviously if they're working 
then taking the additional distribution would create more tax. Now, just real quickly, it has to be the employer they're working for where the 401k is. It can't be a 401k at a former employer. Ah, that one you would still have to take a distribution that's from. That's a good point. So it's still working where you've been working. Correct. That's a great, great point. So let, us, let me talk about this, not cashing out. That is something I know a lot of people do. I think they think about it, and it's it's always, oh, I got to, I need to. What do you right. think? So I, I absolutely believe, if at all possible, you shouldn't cash out a 401k. When we use the term cash out, that means have them send you the check, and then you go deposit pay, it or pay the taxes on it. Exactly. Penalties if there's any penalties, and you got the money. Because as we mentioned earlier, there's a huge value in compound interest, just the compounding over time. So continuing to defer, delay paying the taxes on it and therefore compound on that money instead of paying the taxes, just makes a big difference. So you want to avoid cashing out. So what's an option? You can do what's called a rollover. You can transfer money uh, between 401ks. If you've left an employer, gone to a new employer, they have a 401k. Many times there's an option to transfer that former employer's balance to the new plan. If you can't do that, you can open an individual retirement account. And move that money into there. And that's the IRA you were talking that's about. That's an IRA, correct. And again, you defer cashing out, paying the taxes on it. Guys, does that, when you look at all these numbers and try to put all these buckets together, do you find, Ted, when you're sitting down talking with someone, that they, that the idea behind, I've got so much here, so, I mean, do they, do they put that perspective of having enough dollars for retirement, or do they, do they think they've got enough, or do you find that people come in, Hoping they've got enough. What, what's the what's your see the mindset? I see that word hope a lot. Hope, I get it. Though. And, and it's uh, and really it's many times it's unfortunate that they come in as late as they do, and when you sit down and start cranking the numbers, you, you they realize that there's a huge deficit there. And then we talk about the numbers that David just talked about. The fact that they've been putting in ten thousand, and they could be putting in you know twenty five thousand uh, into their into their four hundred one k. So in the last few years. We start trying to encourage them to really ramp that number ramp up to try to get that retirement bucket, you know, filled up. That makes a makes a ton of sense from that standpoint as you're putting it together. So, David, here we are. They they were talking about you got to get caught up. And when do you start? When would you tell someone to listening today they need to start thinking what you're talking about immediately as soon as they get their first job. As soon as <laughs> that's yesterday. Well, no, and, and, and I, I use a little tongue in cheek there, but I understand. No, I use from. a real example. My son started as he had a summer job, okay, and they defaulted him into a four hundred one k. He didn't even know it. I I was going to tell him to sign up. He didn't have to sign up. It was automatic. He didn't know. I didn't remind him. We went over the math later, and I said, "Hey, you had a four hundred one k," and he started looking at as an eighteen year old how much that was going to end up being. Now he wants to participate. Now he's a, yeah, he's a participant. Huh? You, okay. yeah. All right, what about diversifying your assets? Is he an 18-year-old or a 58-year-old? Is it different? It is different. You know, the closer we get to retirement, we might not be willing to take as much risk in the equity markets. Maybe we need something a little more certain. Uh, we've got to measure that, though. So we can't just all of a sudden say, well, I'm going to put all my money into a money market account in the 401k. That could create a problem as well. So diversification is important. You need to find a, a diversification model that fits your tolerance for risk and your expectation for reward. Equally, I think on a, on a regular basis, you've got to rebalance that portfolio. Asset classes don't all grow at the same pace at the same time. So you want to reallocate to your target model 
from time to time. That makes a lot of sense. Ted, we've had volatility in the market now. Some people say, oh, it's an enormous amount of volatility, when in reality, it's basically normal. We haven't had normal volatility. 2017, it didn't exist. Most of this year, it's been somewhat, even though February was a little different. But now we've got real volatility. Big swings up, big swings down. Pre-markets up, pre-markets down. I mean, what, so what do you talk to that person about when you're sitting down with him saying, your Social Security, okay, got it. You've helped them with that, but their 401k, what do you tell about that? I tell them to watch television. <laughs> Turn it away from the news channels and watch television. <laughs> watch, watch a, a sitcom. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. A, I tell you, when you talk about that person, though, that is thinking about uh, retiring, uh, they watch those funds a lot more than they did when they were in their 30s and 40s and maybe even their early 50s. When they start thinking about retirement, they start watching the news. They start watching the, the morning shows to see what their retirement accounts are doing that day. Uh, you know, it's it, um, I'm not going to discourage them from doing that, but they just need to understand that kind of what you said, that that, that volatility – it, the volatility has always been in the marketplace, and you can look at extremes, and you can look at circumstances, and, and there have been times where you know, the average volatility is, is where the market fluctuates as much as 14.2%. That's the average that it goes away from where it was the, from the beginning of the year. So it's just normal to have it. Don't get caught up in it. David, you say the same thing? I do. Don't make changes on a whim. Uh, don't that, get caught with your emotions. That's exactly right. You know, when we make emotional decisions about our finances, many times we regret it later. Stay in there for the long haul and stay the course. And keep putting money in when the market's down. Sure. If the market takes a dip, that's your best time to put money in, but let it be automatic through your payroll. Well, that's a great point. You've been listening, of course, to KWAM 990 and FM 107.9, The Voice. My guests have been David Rochester and Ted Miner. We've talked about Social Security and maximizing your 401k. If you'd like to talk with these guys, just give them a personal call at 757-5757. They'll be glad to talk to you. It does not cost anything if you're listening to the program. We appreciate it. We have, of course, enjoyed the program today, and we always thank you for listening. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's program and podcast or past programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Again, the number to talk to David and Ted, 757-5757. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and this is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Ted Miner, and David Rochester are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. You